0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you today with this message of dire
1: importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10-year-old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can
2: I come over and watch Ricky Farley
0: with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome back to Don't Let the Motor and Cast Get You, a podcast dedicated to the films of Charles Roxburgh and Matt Farley. I'm here with my friends Calvin, Matthew and Stephen, as always, and today we're talking about adventures in Cruben Country. How are we doing today, everyone?
3: Excellent.
4: For a second I was sure you were going to say adventures in babysitting, and I was like, I watched the wrong movie. Do you know what?
0: It's probably about the same. I've never seen it, but I can assume (laughs) Matt Farley is probably a huge fan.
4: Matt, have you seen Adventures in Babysitting?
0: You've seen my movies. I have not.
2: I've not seen Adventures
0: in Babysitting. It's a blind
4: side. (laughs) We'll schedule that for some point.
0: Yeah, we didn't do our homework this week. So this is the second film from the 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 gang at Motern Motern Media and it's mm-hmm. it's fun. Last week we had the Paperboy, or last week, last episode we had the Paper Boy is a very small college project, very much to two gentlemen in film school just making things on campus. And this is how many years later is this? This is two thousand and two. So it would have been mm-hmm. Three years later, I think. Three years later, I think they're out of college at this point, and uh, we're out in the wild world of Thomasville, and we are, <laughs> we're, we're musical mayors. Yeah. I, for, for me, I mean, all of us here have obviously seen sporadically
4: through the catalogue. Um, okay. I think myself and Matt, have seen, I think we've seen the same number now at this point, um, but for me, having seen a lot of the rest of these movies, this seems like the first proper one of those movies to me. This feels like Paperboy had elements of like yep. the dialogue and like world-building thing. And this is just like at home, comfy vibes. This is those movies that I like from them. And this is the first one of those. And I'm in for a treat. And I had a great time. I loved it. Farley certainly
3: asked us not to do the, the last one. So I think this was yeah. the <laughs> foundational one he wished we started with.
0: Yeah, it's good. it makes sense. I was so surprised coming from Paperboy how just how well formed and how well realized everything is already in and, and this second feature, you know, a couple of years later, as Stephen said, it feels very similar to, you know, the, the work they're going to go on to do with Riverbeast and Freaky Farley later down the line. And this feels very much like their first sort of manifesto of their style. Mm. And it's <laughs> the first one with McGee. Yes, of course. Course. Who yeah, legendary. He steals
4: the show straight away. Like, he is so good. I, lo- I love that they have, like, the knowledge, too. I mean, he's going to be, like, the clandestine villain in the movie, but they have the foresight, too. Let's just let him, Kevin McGee, for a while first. Let's just let him be normal in a conversation and just mm-hmm. steal that scene. And he's just wonderful. And then later he goes to, like, full villain, Kevin McGee, because he is just <laughs> the greatest. Oh, I love him so much.
3: I've been uh, thinking about it too. It's uh, also like a foundation for the things they would be interested in. Uh, which uh, Matt Farley a lot of walking um, a lot of of this
0: a lot of this film is just like how much of this is a how much of this is scripted and how much of this is just improvisational hangout two guys just shooting playing basketball and driving around and walking places
3: how much of it is him being an actual musical mayor Matt exactly. yeah. Like, I
0: don't know how much method acting he did for this. Is he actually the mayor of Tom'sville?
3: <laughs> I don't know. He could be.
0: Exactly. He's lived as Matt Farley since this movie, at least. So he's at least like stayed
4: in the role um, and has even written songs after this movie. And now, if you know, he does write a few songs in the film. So it seems like he's very committed to this persona Um, because this is a a Matt Farley director one isn't it Um, yes this is a Farley director local legends aside the heavy hitters are usually um, Roxburgh joints but this is is a Farley joint a Farley Um, joint yeah which is is interesting because like it has the the plot structure of what I would come to expect from more of a Roxburgh movie if we Mm -hmm. are to make a distinction but it definitely has some proto local legends vibes in just Mm -hmm. a slice of life presenting you this place and place
0: being the main part of the movie well, all the, all the Druid stuff aside, and it's just sort of... Uh, yeah, which is far very Farley. much aside. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, the first sort of 30, 40 minutes of this are just Farley doing Farley things, mm. you know, sort of walking around, talking to people, recording songs, going on this radio station.
3: <laughs> just very embedded I, in what I think his personality came to be. And uh, I think it is a development of Farley's uh, on-screen mm-hmm. personas as well, which is fun to see early on.
4: I'm forever reminded of so if people that haven't listened, I've sure listened to this. You will have done um, who to the conversation that Calvin and I had with um, Farley on the the now rebooted Twin Geek, Twin Geeks cast, which is now called the Twin Geeks. That's I right. knew that. <laughs> That's right. That's it. Um, where he spoke about his love of One of the 14th, Part Two um and as part of that which we were just like really this movie and then he gave his like manifesto on what he wants the horror movie to be and i watched him like oh you made it you made you made the thing that you wanted it to be because there's usually like your, your typical slasher is that sense of here's all the background stuff and the background stuff is to set the scene to make the tension more impactful that when mm. like a a slasher jumps into it it's therefore much more terrifying this just reverses the ratio of being like There's a little bit of like background stuff that's like not slashing, but is like the horrory stuff. Mm. And that's just here to make the chill out stuff seem more chill out. It's it's like rather than making it more horrific. It makes it more chill. It's just like we want an excuse to just like talk about our wild ideas that if we ran a town and just making a sewer into (laughs) <laughs> Pedestrian zone. <laughs> <laughs> Pedestrianised zone, which is again, I, I wrote about this in my um, review of um, *River Beast*. The thing that I mm-hmm. love about these movies is when they just like pick up an idea and just roll with it for the entire film, and just yeah. like build it and build it and build it. Where something's like, that's a silly joke, I'm like this is a central philosophy of these characters in this film, and I love it so much, and I want a pedestrianized subway. The
3: druids don't even have to be there. I mean, really, it's just early <laughs> no. like espousing his beliefs about uh, needing better, safer walkways and less cars, uh, which ultimately is a place a lot of uh, American towns are going. I mean, we see it in Seattle all the time. We're like uh, making a lot more walkable paths. Cars are going into tunnels. I think the opposite's happening of what Farley envisioned, but uh, the cars go underground eventually.
4: <laughs> to firmly establish my position as most pretentious member of the podcast, I'm going to give my, my my fun thematic read of
2: the movie. Here we <laughs> which, go. Um,
4: yeah, exactly. I've, you know I've got a role to fit. So like the film that immediately comes to mind for me um, is The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which is my favorite um, Cassavetes movie, um, which is not for most people. But why I love it so much is because of like the meta role it plays as a reflection of of the director's life. And it's like a comment of their own filmography. So like, yes, it's a film about like a burlesque show and being put into organized crime, but really it's an allegory for, I don't want to act in these Hollywood movies, but I know I have to, to make the as I want to make. And that's what it was beautiful to me. And this film is, about this weird thing that no one cares about, but that people should care about. And they're going to keep talking about it until they care about it. And it doesn't need to be made. And it doesn't really bring anything, but it's fun and it's silly and it's whimsical. And like, Moten Media is the pedestrianised subway. It's that quirky thing that, like, maybe doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to exist. But you are so glad that it does exist and it's just fun and just add something new that is just like a fun little, like, diversion from it. So that's why I resonated with this one particularly, of it it, it being its own little, little commentary itself and also not being that at all.
0: <laughs> well, it's like a it's like a in the paper boy, it's that was sort of almost like a PSA for um getting the student uh, the campus uh, cafeteria to open like, twenty four hours <laughs> or whatever. This is just for more walking and less cars. I feel like he's trying to get across a message which is very personal to him at the time. And you know, you know, he's like know Jean luc you know. <laughs> We know Matt finally walks, what was it, 20 miles a day or something ridiculous and he's always doing on his, <laughs> yeah. his Twitter threads of him walking 20 miles. It, the man loves to walk. It's in local legend. He'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars.
4: Yes. Yeah, and I get that. Like, today I walked out to the bin to put some rubbish in it and I really felt the, like the that desire to walk every day.
2: Mm. When I was thinking about the pedestrian subways, I was thinking, you know, how in airports they have those people movers. Or uh, they should yeah, those yeah. in the they should, those those should be yeah. not just an airport. Those are an amazing technology that should be more. That's places. what
3: I like is that he doesn't implement any further technology. It's that you're going to build something underground. <laughs> and you have to walk it, like. It's obviously it's going to be less convenient <laughs> a
0: than. road but <laughs> yeah. like definitely more dodgy and like is, what could happen in these underground sewer, a, sewer it's just like how place.
3: optimistic it is about people because he's like yeah you're just gonna say hi to your neighbor you know it's gonna be a, <laughs> everyone's gonna get under along yeah. underground in this dark tunnel lit by candles It'll no nefarious
0: great. deeds. No nefarious yes. <laughs> deeds whatsoever would happen in this pitch black sort of case. To return to
4: the very crowbared meta element though, like there is that conversation where he's talking to the quote unquote normal person, like the, the engineer or whatever, and then she's like, So you just want to walk in a sewer? Who would want to do that? Yeah. And it reminds me of being like when I'm like trying to sell someone on River Beast, they're like, so it's like not a good movie. No, it is a good movie. <laughs> but like not like those good movies. Like, no, 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 no you should do this.
3: It's its yeah, own yeah. good movie in its, it's own it's, good yeah. way, yeah, for sure. I think you kind of have to, we asked the question last time if you should watch more before you get here. I think it's another mm. case where you probably should watch a, a few more before getting into this, so, so you see where this is heading.
0: Hmm. But I do think this is a be- obviously a better starting position than Paperboy, yeah. as, as yeah, Farley prompted, <laughs> <laughs> <As> far <laughs> prompted us to uh, ignore now that. Now we can say film. that with authority. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Now we know. We know we're in the right now.
2: We're um, gonna introduce the like optimal viewing order when we're done with the podcast. You know, yeah, start yeah, with yeah, yeah, could, well, we'll start with River Beast, <laughs> then do the first Druids movie, then jump to Manch Vegas, yeah. then a second druids movie. That'd <laughs> be fascinating
3: <laughs> if we're like a start with the third druid, then work your way backwards. It's a <laughs> like like Farley talks in the movie, you have to see everything in reverse <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I, yeah, my notes for this are just so sporadic. I have so many notes. The, it, 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 there was just so many moments that I was watching this and I was just just falling deeper and deeper in love with the movie. And one moment that really sticks out is that Farley wants one snow day a month. How beautiful would that be? <laughs> How beautiful would that be to have one day off listening into the radio every morning to find out if you needed to go to school or work every single day? Because it's like, it's, there
4: is a read of this movie in which this man is a terrible mayor that is ruining the city, like, legitimately. (laughs) Like, so many of his policies, one of of them is just, he just fired everybody that was working (laughs) in local
0: politics.
4: And everyone's like, it's great now. And people just keep saying, like, you know, taxes alone. You're like, okay, well, that's that's gonna go real bad. But the movie is just so not interested in any of that. The movie is just this kind of, like, childish pipe dream of like, when you were young and you're like, well, if I ran a city, I'd do this, and I'd do this, and I'd do this, and I'd do this. And it's just a person doing that and living that and just, like, having that as a hangout movie. And I just found that just such an infectious, just, like, energy and vibe to be with the whole time. And like, yeah, Snow Day. Which, as you may or may not know, Snow Day doesn't exist anymore because of goddamn online learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, <laughs> the, the, snow day, the Snow Day is gone. Um, so, an ode to the Snow Day.
0: An ode to the Snow Day. A snowed.
4: So, Druids... My first note is Druids, Druids, Druids. What matters
3: more? Is it the basketball shots, like the trick basketball shots or the Druids in the movie, which is more relevant? Honestly,
0: it's it's incredibly difficult to choose because they are, <sighs> you know, the basketball montage of them just, you know, not acting, but just playing basketball, you know, really just that sort of tra- incredible. That's a trying really incredible their best thing. to get some decent three-pointers in. And the Druids are pathetic, like the first one's <laughs> eaten with a deck of the cards. cards. Yeah. That, that is one of the moments where I was sort of like, I clocked in and was like, this is Great! This is a great, I, like, huge belly laugh for me because he's going to someone's someone's house. Um, but yeah, he's got a deck of cards on him because he wants to go play, to a bridge tournament. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, yes. the he, husband yeah, right. has we don't, do don't that they don't do that, and their husband's been dead for twenty years. A druid pops out of nowhere and he flings the cards at this druid in this like genuinely well sort of choreographed and well presented action sequence. And then the druid sort of disappears again for another you know, fifteen minutes while they. Amble around the woods. <laughs> oh yeah, because
4: the, the thing I keep going back to is like it, it links. That's what what Calvin was saying, like last episode of like a different way of talking about film that is not so like prescriptive. Um, because like you look at so much of the filmmaking here, and I don't want to say limiting, but the only thing that's limiting it is technology. Like there are so many bits where it's just like that's a really nicely framed shot. There's a bit when they're looking over the entire town with the sounds of the rock, and it just looks lovely and the yeah. basketball sequences are really nice and the music behind it is, is, is phenomenal. It reminds me of stuff in like Mind of the Gap, for example. There's just these moments of just living in a moment with some characters that feels yeah. actually transported and really powerful. I'm like, if this was just a better quality camera, this would be just like art house cinema and ex- sure. accepted as so by everybody. It's like the filmmaking is very, very good. The technology is is crap. The filmmaking is very, very mm.
3: good. And
0: it's all very incidental as well. There's a there's a really, really mm. beautiful sequence in the forest where they have this beautiful sort of pasture and the, the natural lighting that's coming through the trees looks so sort of planned out and methodical, but it's obviously just you know Matt's just <laughs> slung up a camera over there and he's going to walk towards it in a minute.
3: There are quite a few like moments of like genuine framing here where I think that mm. Matt gets actual shots like of, of merit and like interesting quality and where he's uh positioned people and things in places and uh i i'd agree i don't think it would help even to get a better camera i think it might uh it might deter me if they had like all the tech to make the druids look really cool or something i mean just throw a robe on some guys the druids
4: look amazing i i love that aesthetic of the druids like to use references that we all know the, like the Dark Souls three people. Um like just just, just just robed individuals that just like shamble around. I love them so much. It's it's sort of, we don't
3: know uh, Dark Souls three.
4: Yes, we do. <laughs> it's just <a> you
3: thing. <laughs> um, yeah, just
0: these this is also
4: a very post Blair Witch movie. Um mm.
3: oh, interesting it's, in- it's interesting. Very to
4: it's very much existing in like the visual language established by Blair Witch, but just like taking the piss out of it of just yes. like the stripped down rudimentary horror in quotes actually did give quotes there for those that cannot see me um and especially when they go into like the building of the shots around reminded me of like that ending scene of Blair Witch spoilers for Blair Witch I guess Mm. when they're just like walking around that thing and again I know that there are different opinions here on Blair Witch Witch. I love it I know that many people Mm. hear some really hate it um and that's fine but it is that reminder of like the long tail that movie had on like Sure. horror filmmaking what a filmmaking I do feel this is very much inflected by that and just mm-hmm. like hanging out in Woods vibes
0: um, Woods and could, finding a great. sort of hermit who plays the harmonica just like Blair, oh, yeah. which, I love him so know, much. take cover gentleman and then he dives onto the floor in this wonderful sequence
3: Blair no, Witch was, was also like that oh. first horror movie that like blew up at a festival like it blew up at Sundance and showed that horror could have a place in those festivals I've always worried about these movies that uh I know they they aren't often accepted or that they stop submitting to festivals, but Bands I just think festivals. if I found something like this, like in my like festival in the woods in North Bend out here, I'd be so delighted that I got to experience this with the community. So mm. I, I hope they eventually do find their way. Uh, we gotta uh, petition places to play them.
4: Yeah, and like the, the right location to hit the right audience. Like this, this thing would be really powerful and really awesome. So it's, it's it's about finding the right people to to show your art mm. to, and I think in the right the right kind of festival is going to great, um, and it'd be really annoying though because in the wrong kind, the more like conventional thing, just the amount of like yes. snooty dismissiveness that would be, be left out, be so, so, so soul crushing. Yeah.
0: Mm,
3: exactly, you need a genre yeah. festival truly to to get in. I think I think it needs to be like yeah. a vanguard or mm. kind of festival.
4: Can we talk about the setting? Because obviously, this is just like the same town that becomes the town in in, in all of them, like realistically. Yeah. Um, like we even start to like recognize and remember places. And again, <laughs> the thing that I love so much in, in Riverbeast, like when I first watched it, is like the cohesive sense of a world. It impresses me every time that I'm watching a film set in a sense of the same place, but each movie manages to create its own little universe with compellingly little kind of like wonderful abstractions in it with all these like little touches. I, I, the world building for the, the, what I put down my notes, um, I was, I've been trying so hard to work out why I like the dialogue and the writing so much. And I find it actually hard to kind of like articulate what is sure. good about it. So I came up with this. So I've put like, again, I love the writing. It's like, it's wonderfully verbose. I love the verbosity of it. Um, but I like that the verbosity is matched with like, it's just observational. Um, so my word I've used to describe it, my phrase, I'm saying prosaic surrealism is I think why I like <laughs> it. It's Here we
3: so
4: banal and ordinary, yet so mm. completely quirky and strange. That sure. It doesn't become annoyingly quirky. And it is still grounded, just these like just strange because like there are bits that in a worse film is just Matt Farley just explaining stuff to you or to passive characters and like on the edge of mansplaining things to passive characters, but because there's that whimsy to it and because it's like grounded in the prosaic, it is entertaining every time and charming and childlike every time in a way that I adore.
2: I don't remember if it was an interview or an extra or a commentary or something, but uh it was Roxburgh and Farley referred to their Uh, dialogue style is grammar exploitation
0: I love that So good. I love that very good it's a really good term there are
2: too many words in the English language and they just aren't used in films so they decided Mm. they're going to put them in their films
0: that makes makes so much sense and like that's a lens, you can definitely view all these films through because there's so many sort of like elements that are brought up and you think how how do they even formalize this idea on you know scripting
3: prosaic uh, grammar (laughs) exploitation seems like a Good place to go. I, I do like how people talk in the movies. Like they, they don't talk like ordinary people. It's not even in a Lynchian way. It's a
0: no. No. It's
3: very much like like you're in a circle of friends and you get used to how they're talking in the movies. It becomes like an inside joke with the viewer in a way. Sure.
4: Yes, which I think is why like it's one of those those oeuvres, so to speak, that like grows the more that you watch. Like they're the mm-hmm. filmmakers that I love the most is where I'm like, if I showed someone this film, they wouldn't love it like I do because they need to have seen the other 12 films that surround it, that then go back and enhance this film because you start to be in tune with like a filmmaker sensibility. And you're like, oh, that's why it's great because of this, 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 this. And that's what I want at a cinema at its best.
3: There's very low probability that you watch all these movies and you wouldn't come away with a positive takeaway eventually. I don't think mm. it's ironic at all. Mm. Um, no. Like you're saying, I think there's intention and I think there's enough earnestness, but never like on the cusp of preciousness either. Like, it's not a precious indie movie or something. It, no. uh, it, it doesn't annoy you. I mean, it, I don't think it would annoy someone. So I, I feel pretty safe recommending, like, the whole lot of the films. And that's why we're doing a podcast on each of them.
4: Well, I think all of them inherently, like, convey the theme of The Creative Urge, which is, like, the wants to create as an artistic pursuit, um, as opposed to just, like, doing it as a financial pursuit. And, like, I think that it's much more in, in dialogue with the film this time, because it's just... Like, he so obviously is not a mayor. Like, he's making, like, broadcasts from his, from, like... From the like the um,
0: same room that's probably going to be in his room, room, yeah.
4: Which might as well be a dorm room. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> a
0: pretty much. It's a room. Equipment.
4: Yeah, and so it's, it's so obviously not what they're saying. So it's so obviously this, like, passion project is, like, go out, make your thing, do your thing, and express that thing. And it, and it just captures people existing in this place. And I, for me, it goes back to those basketball scenes. Those basketball scenes are absolutely brilliant. And they remind me of... All those wonderful films are supposed to like capture like life in its incidental moments, mm. and I love that it is here in this film. And
0: all the walking montages as well. It's just you know sets to with yeah. set you know the soundtrack music, and it's just shots just stay on Farley crossing a road, and then it will to another road. Oh, easily. absolutely! I could watch a decent like, sequence of those peppered throughout.
3: I just watches a like, uh, twenty mile walk each day. I mean, come on. Oh. If he did that You're on, on our Instagram Twitch. Live or uh, a yeah. t- Twitch stream, i want to spend as much yeah. time with these people as I can. Uh,
0: That's the thing. There's like this massive sort of hangout nature, um, especially you know Druid stuff aside <laughs> um, to the to the filmmaking here because it is just Charlie and Farley hanging out. Really,
4: oh, I did note down a line actually for the first Kevin McGee thing. That actually I was noted didn't mention earlier that oscillates back to what we've been saying, is there's this great line where they make their antagonist, just like this antagonist that starts the scene by just like having a jar of dirt, because why not? Yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, Already terrific, just like, oh yeah. So, which, but then that does link to him being a druid later, so like you're like,
0: again, it's it does, it pays for, like, off. It's, it it's weird for
4: weird sake, no, it's not. Like they're no. really good at the like, just like, that's a weird thing, no, it's an intentional thing, it'll make sense later, but also it is just weird and fun. But he's talking about like the whimsy of Farley as mayor, and I pause this right in this exact line, which is, people don't want strange things. They want good old-fashioned American entertainment.
0: <laughs> that is I the, love that the in crux. this movie. <laughs> that is mm. their, sort of uh, you know, their motto at this point. You know, the antithesis yeah. of what they're doing. Yeah, because if you're watching this, you're like, proof. There is proof this man is wrong. Infant <laughs> proof. It's,
1: it's,
4: it's so much better than like, establishing like, Potter as a villain. It's wonderful life. It's like, yeah, this man is the villain. He just spoke against the movie. This guy, down with him.
2: One weird thing about McGee's villain is, that, like, he's this, uh on one hand, he's this evil capitalist who is mad that his workers <laughs> uh, aren't, uh like, might have the days off and people aren't going to come to mm. town because of it. But on the other hand, he really cares about the environment. He's a druid. He wants to protect <laughs> a crew of Matt Farr using it for basketball courts.
0: <laughs> they worship the dirt. They are worshipping the dirt. Fantastic. Yeah, I think...
3: We need to
4: directly address that the core conflict of this movie is that matt farley for no real reason wants to turn a large stretch of like rural land like more more than that into just a into enormous recreational facilities is the direct quote <laughs> which <laughs> leads to this wonderful quote that i wrote down because mcgee is uncomfortable this doesn't like it and he goes have you ever been to canada I haven't either, but I'm pretty sure that with the exception of Toronto, Vancouver, maybe Montreal, the whole place is nothing but trees and wildlife. There are plenty of trees out there. Not enough enormous recreational facilities, though.
3: It's also my favorite part of the
0: movie. It's fantastic. It's so good. It's Love right. It's
4: not wrong.
3: No, it is true.
4: Yeah, there are a lot so of trees. That-
0: so yeah, that is the, um, you know, that's where the Druids come into play in terms of trying to stop uh, Matt and his ass- assistant Charlie from sorting this uh, recreational centre out. And there are some like genuinely quite engaging action sequences towards the end. Um, mm. There's a really great bit, which is straight out of sort of like a Looney Tunes cartoon where he hits him with on the head with a frying pan that he's got because they're, yes. they're, they're travelling around. Huge. Heavily telegraphed frying there. pan.
3: Absolutely. So we all I mean, like this movie. I think I think I, we're all agreeing. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Good. I mean,
4: it's great. They made a movie which is basically about like a libertarian mayor that wants to like pave over the environment. And for some reason, I love it. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so impressed by this.
3: It's so pro-people. And I think it does have like that optimism though that it is, uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't gross you out. It's not like libertarian in a gross way. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> no.
4: Yeah, it, it, it's so clearly he doesn't believe what he is saying exactly. nor should he be listened to it's it's just whimsy and it's like a fight to protect whimsy um and then occasionally they juxtapose it with people and it's just funny to have just like the, the, the straight man there being like so what and you're like no it's great we do this is, and then you've got these incidental shots of just of just wonder
3: the movies remind me of like growing up in like a small cul-de-sac and just like going and hanging out with mm. your friends that everything was directed around your friends and what you guys wanted to do. Um, Mm. It reminds me of like going and hanging out and just like having those endless summer days. Like they just kinda embody that that spirit of like youthful creativity and like wanting to go create something with, you know, just your friends.
0: Well, I think that's what Charlie and Farley's whole attitude towards filmmaking is—is is they they sort every of make time these you films. say that, Jack.
4: Every time you say that as as a rhyme because it does rhyme, I just Charlie think and Farley. It's Christmas Carol.
0: <laughs> I've told <laughs> you. Marley I have told you song. that I will write a, <laughs> a parody jingle. I will write a parody jingle at some point. We're
1: Marley and Marley.
0: But it's very much they make films for themselves and, you know, Mm. for their friends and for their local community. And if other people watch and enjoy it, then that's a bonus. It doesn't feel like that's their main priority. It's very much like this is what we're doing and, you know, it's fun to make movies.
3: We also had a field report from uh, our friend Matt here who uh, went and experienced some of the community involvement. Mm. I'd really like to get into that.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I saw Matt Farley perform live last Saturday on New Year's Day. It's the Modern Ganza. Uh, so I'll give you a brief geography lesson uh, first. So
0: I'm a bit north of
2: Boston and uh, Farley lives around half an hour east of me. But We're doxing Farley. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, he puts his phone number on all his movies. I think he puts his address <laughs> everywhere too. I think I don't think we can dox him.
3: <laughs> he's doxed himself, and he's, yeah. now he's undoxable. Yes. Uh,
2: but uh, so he had a venue where near where he lives, but there were new mask mandates in Massachusetts that just came out, so he couldn't perform without a mask, and he didn't want to sing for four hours without a mask. So he looked in other states nearby, found a venue in the middle of the woods in New Hampshire. Oh, like, perfect. <laughs> With King Druids. Warrior. I didn't see any Druids. So I was looking out for them. You but, wouldn't, know, You wouldn't. That's true. <laughs> he drives all the way up there, probably around an hour. I go around an hour up there and the rest of the audience, they're all students at Emerson College in Boston and they drive like an hour and a half up to the <laughs> woods. In- <laughs> so every- everybody's driving a long distance to go to this uh, one American Legion in the middle of the woods. And we go up
4: were you just like have i joined a cult have am, am
2: i at the point now where i have joined the cult <laughs> on, i'm getting or, cult vibes. for a minute I, I just thought i'd put in the directions wrong I just like where the hell am i going to <laughs> pull off the yeah. side of the road check the email again <laughs> so, uh, it was the right place we got there <laughs>
3: so wow. there was four hours of performing yeah
2: four <laughs> hours of performing yeah I guess we for, for how many people <laughs> Myself and I think there were six students from Emerson.
0: Amazing, beautiful. That was, is what Farley's is all about, you
2: know. Yeah, play, it's just like it the, the people. look the comedy show in Millhouse's basement and
3: local legends, <laughs> or
2: when he's uh, showing the voice short film at the auditorium. Oh,
3: well, you got so, some so time how- with them also, and you got to talk with everyone. That's yeah, fun.
2: Yeah, it's a great show. The, the students there are all filmmakers. There or some of them are. They just made a film of their own, uh, and they showed it to Farley that same day. Farley's in it as a professor of wizardry or something. I I, mean, <laughs> I, I think
0: I um, I saw this on Letterbox recently, and I thought it was a new uh, a new Farley feature, but that that makes much more sense. That's great.
2: Mm-hmm. That other group of people; those are huge modern fans, and I know at least a few of them listen to this podcast. So, if we are ever wrong, like they will know, and they will scoff, and they will think, "Who are these five of us?" Five <laughs> of us. As
3: long as we have the same audience as Farley does on that stage, then I feel comfortable continuing the show.
2: Mm, absolutely, hundred
3: percent. Mm. Yeah, Farley so wasn't the only
2: one performing. I should mention that Chris Pete Peterson was there. Uh,
3: Which is the, one of his like bandmates, right? He does a lot of the music with Yeah, Chris. He's in the
2: toilet bowl cleaners.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love his band names, as always. Oh, of course. I'm glad you got to go, Matt. And thank you for your uh, field report there. Uh, I hope you'll get to go hang out with Farley again. They have their extravaganza coming up. Yeah,
2: they have uh, yeah. another event coming up in May. I hope I'll be mm. able to make it out to that one.
0: The screening films and stuff there as well. We should also mention that Farley's just published a book <laughs> uh, about everything he does, and uh, it's called the Motor, Motor Method, I believe.
3: Motor Method, yeah.
0: Available on Amazon. Uh, I definitely need to keep a uh, pick up a copy myself sometime soon. Um, the oh, snippets can, I've seen on Twitter look incredible. Yes, you can
4: pre-order Tetomaniac now as well, can't you? Um, like they ship Ninja. on the fifteenth, I think, mm-hmm. which is a time away from whenever this comes up um so yeah through, through gold ninja you can now pick up which jack has watched
0: um metal detector, uh, metal detector maniac yeah i couldn't i couldn't wait any longer um and I, it's it's pretty fun i I can't wait till we get to it i
4: have a i have a, a screener waiting for me that i've been meaning to watch for ages and just like just haven't got round to
0: because of my own idiocy um
4: so i will do that very very soon uh, get your where, review
3: up in a couple of weeks here or something
4: yeah it, we'll, we'll try mm-hmm. and get it like linked Around when people, you know the movie comes out, I guess would would make most sense. And Hurt Got Married is on that as well, um, which I can say is a
0: fabulous movie. Um, mm. really, really, really good. Um, I think the uh, the soundtrack to that is getting a vinyl release. Um
4: oh, awesome. I want
0: very, it. very so it's,
4: a, it's a very good soundtrack. That song is mm. is, is lovely and it's probably my favorite original song yeah, yeah. in the movie Absolutely. I've seen this yeah. So I just want to take it back to just one thing, apologies, I know this is structurally, um, you know, inappropriate of me. There's just like one scene in the movie where I had this thought, um, as I'm like to do, of being like, why do I like this, but not other things? Like there are loads of movies that this could be in the same kind of like camp as where I'm like I dislike those. So why do I, and I like, it's an exercise I like to do, but I'm like, okay, why do I like it? So the similar to get to get to is the car journey scene when they're um, driving to Kruban country. And it's just this very silly back and forth conversation, like exceptionally silly. They talk about, I wrote down lots of it because it amused me. And they just get caught up in this like boll weevil mythos for like five minutes. just like going back and forth about like hamsters versus um, boll weevils, um, which is just really, really funny. And I was like, I love this. This is great. And I wrote down that it reminded me of, I don't know if this will have much pull outside of the UK, but the TV show slash movie, the trip, um, mm,
0: yeah, Michael Winterbottom, Steve Coogan, Rob Rudd
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, like it, yeah. Just, just them talking and being funny. It reminded me of that. I'm like, but then when I was writing it down, I was like, oh, I love this, like this riffing. And I was like, wait a minute, movies that are often described as like riffing comedy, I usually don't like. Like that school of comedy, I usually really hate. It's just not for me at all. So I was like, why do I like this and why do I not like that? And my conclusion was because. I feel like you're, you're Adam McKay when he made comedy movies, as opposed to just trash, um, you're, uh, sorry.
0: Yeah, you're a very improvisational, sort of like SNL yeah. alum.
4: But, but those feel like everyone's trying to do a bit, and trying to do comedy, um, and I know Matt, so, I know Matt agrees more than I do, of like not, not a fan of like stand-up comedy, like as a medium very much. Um,
2: no, that whole like
3: improv kind of thing where they just line a Rama, they just put the actors mm. and have them improvise, the take over and over. That's, that's not for me for sure. I'm a big yep, improv sure. person there. I, I might be the
0: improv guy here. Yeah, I'm also I, a big I, I'm also a big improv fan. So I, me and I don't will like that start stuff at podcast
4: most most of the time. And there's like so this works for me though, because it doesn't feel like two people trying to compete as to who's got the funniest line and funniest bit. Mm, it just hilarious. feels like a conversation of natural of like when you're talking with friends and you're riffing in that way and it's a thing you don't see in film very often because it, it's what I it keep saying is like they're not competing for the audience they're mm. competing for each other they're just like yes and it's not even competing they're just like having a chat and they're just actually adding on to it that sense of this is just for them and the joy is watching in as opposed mm. to someone being like oh that was a funny line I must out funny that line and I must out funny that line True.
3: Sure. So, once they get in the car they have like the the car trouble with the tires like it's <laughs> such an inconvenience to drive because uh i mean they they show like uh yeah car transportation that? not reliable That's uh tough. steven and i talked about also my favorite video game of all time deadly premonition um One of the video games. which has yeah, the same kind of uh sincerity. whatever this is and it's uh, funny uh, yeah. because uh <laughs> I mean it's done with no budget at all and it's a survival war mm. game effectively but there's not a lot of horror survival in it. Uh, you kind of go around the town and you're Francis York Morgan and you're doing like Twin Peaks effectively. It's, it's, it's uh, Twin Peaks the video game. Yeah. Um, right,
4: got you. It's, it, it rose to fame because of the video game website Giant Bomb who started playing it as a joke and they did like a full playthrough of it and like three episodes in they're like this is not a joke anymore this game is glorious um, it's like it, it has that motive by being like we thought we were here ironically but we are here wholly sincerely at this point okay um, cool it is a 360 game um yeah. originally mm-hmm. um that legitimately is definitively a ps2 game like a hundred percent like Trail it is, it is so rudimentary <laughs> like it is horrible to play just like it is old Resident evil style it's you no know, it is horrible no it is, hor- no, it is horrible to play <laughs>
3: I mean, it's beautiful. Also, like, it's no, a beautiful it's- mess of a, a thing, and this guy sweary, um, Swery, Swery sixty
4: five, is <laughs> yeah. the developer's name. It's Twin Peaks by way of Japan, by way of like Moten trope stuff, obviously. Like,
3: and it's also like in that Link legacy to. of like Shenmue games, where you're going around talking to people, and like the mm. real heart of it is just existing within this place and uh, exploring it, which I also get out of all the uh, modern films, and yeah. this one especially. We start seeing that. Come together at the town as a character, and as a a place where things happen, and and everything they're doing is about like what could happen in this town, and how they could shape it, and trying to make like community theater around it.
4: Yeah, and there's this like utterly ridiculous plot in the background about like planting seeds in people and like summoning just like (laughs) magical supernatural stuff, which is just utterly wild. Excuse me. Really?
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
4: but but really. With like reverse P-side straight. <laughs> but really it's about finding the log lady from Twin Peaks, who now is the pot lady who's just holding a pot and is like yes. transporting her home so she can have her warm food still. And that
3: There's is very much the game. F- K- K- um I remember it because I i picked it up for twenty dollars so today it came out before Giant Bomb were even streaming it and I became like a huge proponent. I used to write for a video game website, so I was on the early grounds of trying to get into mm. this thing, like I don't know how I even got there before it had any publicity. I was like, twenty dollar horror game comes out today. I had to pick it up. Um yeah, so I'm a huge fan of that. And uh, you also reminded me about it because like the drive, like uh, Francis York Morgan will talk to himself and will narrate mm. <laughs> ingeniously. That's like the, the other thing in the game. It's like GTA, but there's nothing like there's no cops or there's nothing to like run over. You're just kinda of talking to yourself and having like yeah, he profound does that in that conversations. Thing.
4: Yes. He just starts to talk about vaguely about movies that he's seen and like go over kind of the plots of them, and then just like talk about just like strange things that oscillate around them. And, and it's just all the way like that he speaks about it. It's just 80s so, B-grade
3: so horror movies, right? Like it's always yeah, it's always something that's not critically acclaimed and has a small cult mm. audience. And that he's just like googled and tried to fill in like the English version of what that would be. And I mean, it's fascinating. <laughs> like so many layers yes. of like comedy there that are. Inherent in that yeah. game that I find yeah, there's a sequel, too. and I never played it. The sequel's okay too.
0: I didn't. I didn't play
3: That's it. That's great. He rides I a skateboard. Def-
0: <laughs> well, you've sold me on that now. Mm. I can definitely see the folly. Follyisms. Um, mm. you know, the comparisons between the two. Uh, oh, uh, Speaking so yeah, of
3: like uh, the sequel, sorry, Jack. Uh, go, go, go. The sequel. <laughs> he uh, gives up car transportation and exclusively rides a skateboard because his car was stolen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Because this police car was stolen, this uh, police officer only rides a skateboard around the town now. So uh, mm. big hooks related to this movie, of course.
0: Yeah. It's, it's great. Stolen by, stolen by Druids. So that's Adventures in a Country. So this is the first in a trilogy, I believe.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, quadrilogy. A, they're
0: quadrilogy. Four. Amazing. And they are, Are we? is this like a thematic quadrilogy or is this very much...
3: It's a costume
0: the quadrilogy in the, the same costume <laughs> reoccurs in all the movies <laughs> that being the druid The druid in a hunchback and a frying pan will be hit on the yeah. head at some point
3: uh, Have any of us seen the whole trilogy or the quadrilogy? I've, this seen is
2: anyone I've seen druid gladiator clone and druids druids everywhere but not our next one which is Sammy yeah. Okay. I've seen Sammy and I've seen druids druids
4: everywhere but I've not seen I've druid seen...
0: gladiator clone I've seen Sammy. I've only seen this <sighs> one yet, so
4: yeah. cool. Well, okay. just Roos Roos everywhere to... is a great name for a
0: movie. Just <laughs> let's all have a drink. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next next time we'll be talking Sammy and the what's the what's the title? Pit of Sammy and Ted... we watched the movie The Pit.
3: <laughs> oh That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <of> the comparisons. <laughs> Thank you, Matt Farley.
4: The Pit is good. I mean, they have more
0: than trees in Canada. They have the movie The Pit as well. I would just say yeah. that.
3: And so, very good so we'll we'll, exploitation movie.
0: We'll be talking The Pit and Sammy the, the tale of a teddy and a terrible tunnel. <laughs> so, more tunnel themed conversation <laughs> yeah, next time on, the, yeah. on Don't Let the Motown Cast Get You. I've been Jack and these are my friends. Hi. Bye. No, bye.
1: <laughs> Bye. Farley you're so talented. You are very good movie maker. You're the director of lots of great movies like Freaky Farley and Slingshot Cow. of shots done in one day, yeah, oh my goodness, Charlie Roxburgh, all time super duper talented movie director.